Welcome to this bonus episode of the Giants of the Faith podcast. I'm Robert Daniels, your host. In this bonus episode, we're going to look at one of the men most responsible for the 16th century Reformation, Erasmus. Erasmus is known as the man that laid the egg that Luther hatched. Though he was not a reformer in the common usage of the word, he did want Christendom to return to a reliance on the writing of the church fathers, and even more, on the scriptures themselves. And it was his Greek New Testament that inspired so many of the reformers. Erasmus was born on October 28, 1466, in Rotterdam. His father was a man named Gerard Rogery, and his mother, Margareta, was the daughter of a surgeon. They were not married when Erasmus or his brother Pieter were born, though Gerard did expect to be able to marry Margareta at some point. But it was not to be. Gerard was one of eleven brothers, and as all the others were already married, his family pushed for him to become a priest. Feeling blocked from marriage by his family, Gerard took the noble route and ran away, leaving Margareta and his children behind. He also left a Dear John letter that basically said, You'll never see me again. He ended up in Rome, and when his family found out that's where he was, they wrote to him telling him that Margareta had died. Overcome with grief, he entered the priesthood. When he returned to Rotterdam to find that Margareta was still alive, he was distraught. But he never touched her again, and she, not surprisingly, had lost all interest in him. So Erasmus and his brother grew up fatherless. They were poor, illegitimate boys with few prospects, and were limited in their choices by both law and custom. So they both entered monasteries. Erasmus became an Augustinian and was ordained as a priest in 1492. But he did not love being a monk. He felt constricted by the practices and rules of the Augustinians. And as soon as he was ordained, he left the monastery to become the secretary to the Bishop of Cambrai. He longed to study the classics, and when the bishop sent him to Paris to study theology, he had his chance. He began to devour everything he could read. He said, When I get a little money, I buy books. If any is left, I buy food and clothes. He was reading anything and everything from ancient times that he could get his hands on. He had such a strong desire to learn that he traveled Europe, seeking out the best theologians of the day. He ended up in England, where, though he wasn't impressed with the food or the people, he did meet and befriend Thomas More. And more importantly, he also heard John Collette teach directly from the scriptures. Collette was the dean of St. Paul's Cathedral, and he desired the church to return to the scriptures as their source. He encouraged Erasmus to study the scriptures directly, and not the commentaries that were the common source of theological learning in that day. Colette urged Erasmus to become primitive in his study, like the church fathers had been. This idea lit a fire in Erasmus. From then on, he became a diligent student of the Greek language. He would go on to become the foremost Greek linguist of the 16th century. He later wrote to Colette of his newfound love of the scriptures, I cannot tell you, dear Colette, how I hurry on, with all sails set to holy literature, how I dislike everything that keeps me back or retards me. In 1514, Erasmus had news of a project underway in Spain to publish what would eventually become the Complutensian Polyglot Bible. This work was financed by Cardinal Francisco Jimenez de Cisneros. A polyglot is a book which contains side-by-side versions of a work in different languages. In this case, we're talking about Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, and Latin versions of the Bible, depending on the book in question. 
Erasmus was interested, and he decided to publish his own Greek and Latin New Testament. He wrote to the Pope and arranged for four years of exclusivity regarding publishing the scriptures in Greek. Now that would allow him time to get his work prepared, printed, and distributed before the Spanish. He traveled to Basel, where he began to compile the entire New Testament in Greek from seven different 12th and 15th century sources. He arranged the Greek side by side with the Latin Vulgate, and in 1515 he was ready for printing. Johann Froben began printing the work on October 2, 1515, and it was completed on March 1, 1516. Erasmus dedicated the work to Pope Leo X. A second printing three years later featured an improved Latin translation that was completed by Erasmus himself. Erasmus made it clear that he valued the primacy of Scripture. He longed to see the church return to reliance on it. He wrote, A spiritual temple must be raised in desolated Christendom. The mighty of this world will contribute towards it their marble, their ivory, and their gold. I, who am poor and humble, offer the foundation of stone. It is not from human reservoirs, fetid with stagnant waters, that we should draw the doctrine of salvation, but from the pure and abundant streams that flow from the heart of God. His Greek New Testament inspired reformers across the continent to read and study the scriptures in their original languages. It was fuel for the Reformation fires that were already burning across Europe. It led to Martin Luther's New Testament translation into German and Tyndale's English Bible, the spirit of which Erasmus did agree with. He wanted to see God's word available to all. Perhaps it may be necessary to conceal the secrets of kings, he said, but we must publish the mysteries of Christ. The holy scriptures, translated into all languages, should be read not only by the Scotch and Irish, but even by the Turks and Saracens. The husbandman should sing them as he holds the handle of his plow, the weaver repeat them as he plies his shuttle, and the weary traveler, halting on his journey, refresh him under some shady tree by these godly narratives. After his works had inspired so much turmoil and upheaval, Erasmus said, If the ship of the church is to be saved from being swallowed up by the tempest, there is only one anchor that can save it. It is the heavenly word, which, issuing from the bosom of the Father, lives, speaks, and works still in the gospel. His works had undercut Roman practices, and even its whole method for salvation, but he was no reformer himself. He remained true to the Catholic Church for the entirety of his life. He urged the Protestants and Catholics to seek moderation and common ground, but when the Pope pressed him, he wrote, I am not so made as to fly in the face of the Vicar of Christ. Though he did not like Luther's temperament or tactics, he did appreciate that some of the reforms Luther called for were necessary. Erasmus continued to be pressed by both sides for the rest of his life to come out strongly one way or the other, but he desired to live out his days peacefully. He wrote many other works, but none had nearly the impact of his Greek New Testament. He truly wanted only to advance the kingdom of God. I call God to witness, he said in his later life. I thought I was doing a work acceptable to the Lord and necessary to the cause of Christ. Erasmus died on July 12, 1536, in Basel, after suffering a severe attack of dysentery. His last words were, Dear God, we on this side of the Reformation can appreciate his impact and legacy, and I think it fitting to close out this episode with Erasmus's prayer from John 14.6. O Lord Jesus Christ, you who have said that you are the way, the truth, and the life, 
Suffer us not to stray from you, who are the way, nor to distrust you, who are the truth, nor to rest in anything other than you, who are the life. Thanks for listening. Until next time, God bless.